Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Wherever you're watching this, um, as we move back to somewhat of a normal pace, Last week, when we came back to the theater, opened it in the first time in 15 months. Some people told me they, they had some tears. I mean, you're the softest man in the world. I'm not going to say who, but it wasn't me. Um, other people, you know, said it was surreal. And a lot of people asked, what time is service? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> they said, but you're the pastor. I said, I forgot. But as we come back, as some of you who are still not comfortable or traveling, we're going to have our live stream on YouTube up, um, and we're going to have to work together to get back to normal, because it'll take some time. But what an amazing feeling it is to be back together with all of you. Um, it's amazing. So let me give you time just for a second. Let's pray together. Let's center ourselves. And I want to practice the rule of life for myself. Um, many have said during the pandemic, that the rule of life was sort of the highlight. I said, not the message, no, the rule of life. Oh, so God's better than me. Exactly. But that part of centering yourself, making space for, for the word of God, for the presence of God to enter, to be ever so close and present is what changes us, makes us ready, receptive to the work of the Spirit in our lives. So let me give you a moment to center yourself and practice the rule of life. And exhale. Everything that you're struggling with. Everything that's discouraging. Everything that's harassing your mind. Everything that's making you worry and tense. Bring it to the feet in the house of the Lord. And inhale the presence of God. He's on the throne. And his future and his calling and the seed that he put in you, the Bible says, is imperishable. It cannot. The gates of hell cannot prevail. The enemy might try to suffocate it. The enemy might try to distract it or even try to eliminate it. But that seed, if it's his, will accomplish its purpose. The good work that he started in us, he is faithful to complete it. All God's people pray. Amen. So let's put this picture up. This day was quite memorable. It was one of our days in the sun, and it was the most memorable day in the sun because we had many memorable, many people who have 
come to Christ in our community, have come to Christ through this format, this initial missiological application, what we call Days in the Sun worship, where we feed people and <clears throat> where we worship together. But this particular one was controversial. It was the most scandalous Day in the Sun we ever had because it rained really hard. And this is the tarp that I was, this is my Instagram post. And this is my statement in the heart of the storm. Don't fret, eat. And it was pouring and people were picking up sound equipment. People were picking up, you know, the most valuable things. And there I was, I saw pie barely eaten on the picnic table. And I said, Lord, we need to save this because I was eating it already. And I brought it in to the tarp and people were like, we're going to have to film this. You're not very holy. You know, they, they, they had the tarp around me and they filmed it. And, and they're like, when, when it's done, what do you do? Look for your family, your friends? No, get the pie. And I remember distinctively this day because, you know, the community got so much closer because it was one of those memorable experiences. But it was also controversial. Because the hospitality team, hospitality team, you guys are the boss. You guys are amazing. Give them a hand. I mean, they're, and the media team, the hospitality, we're going to buy you something really expensive. <laughs> a meal that you'll never forget. You're, you're going to have to unzip your pants, leave it. We're, we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to do that for you. But uh, the hospitality team had two teams and two different opinions on this particular day in the sun because the weather basically foreshadowed an 80 chance percent chance of rain. And the practical team said, we need a contingency. I think we should just meet in the theater. And then, so they were the practical team. And then the other opinion was the spiritual team. Have a little more faith. 20 per, God can do a lot with 20%. And the, the pragmatic team was like, that's just stupid. If there's an 80, per, uh, 80 chance percent chance of rain, you should cancel the event right now. And there was a debate because it was Tuesday and the event was on Sunday. And the spiritual team said, but if we wait one more day, the percentages will go up, not down. You need to have a little more faith. And the, person, and the practical team said, there's no need to have faith. This is just what's going to happen. You need to be practical about these things. Sure enough, it didn't rain at the beginning. And the spiritual team says, see, you little faith. And then after worship, it started pouring. Who was right? I have no idea. But this is to illustrate if the weather is forecasted that it will rain cats and dogs, that it will be not a shower, but a rainstorm, a thunderstorm. What is the practical thing to do? Have more faith? No. To get an umbrella. No one brought any umbrellas. I guess the people who came are team faith. And so what did we have to do? We had to get a tarp. Well, I also needed to get my pie. Uh, but think about this. Matthew 13, the series that we're on, Jesus is 
forecasting a 75% chance of turbulence and a spiritual storm that will happen. Because in the parable of Sora, we talked about this last week, right? There, there are many more ways to fail in the spiritual life than to succeed. So if someone is forecasting a 75% chance of resistance, of turbulence, what do you need to do? Well, we go have more faith. No, you need to be practical at this point, and you need to be prepared for the rain. You need to get an umbrella. If you want to be serious about your spiritual life, we're not talking about the casual spiritual life. If you read Matthew 13, you go down a few more verses, Jesus talks about the parable of the weeds. If you want to live a casual spiritual life, you won't have any resistance. The enemy will be like, that's great. Just be casual about We're talking about people who really want to fulfill their destiny in Christ. Now, if you're serious about it, you're going to have to get ready for impact. So, microscopic. We, last week, we talked about the panoramic overview of Matthew 13. Today, I want to give you the spiritual reality of Matthew 13, the reality of church planning, the reality of being part of a church. Tell someone next to you, heartache. heartache. <laughs> tell, tell someone else, discouragement. discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged in your faith? If you haven't been discouraged, it means you're a casual Christian. If you've ever been committed to something, you have to have lost confidence because of the trouble you experience. And so the reality, Jesus is giving us a, a matrix and the reality of what it means to live the real spiritual life, being part of a local community and trying to live out the things that he has set out for us to do and said. So let me give you the point of the reality of the spiritual life. Last week was the overview, right? We said that in the parable of the sower, there, there are four cases. The first case is spiritual, which we'll, I'll deal with today. The second case is um, personal character development. You might be going through something, and a lot of times because of your own poor choices or temptations and sins. Sometimes it's not your fault. It's not any, anything that you do or think, it's external case. And then Jesus gives the best case. Those four is a framework to look at the spiritual life. But the point is this, of the reality of the spiritual life. I just want to give it to you straight. Okay? This is what Jesus says. Read with me. The point is what? Expect it. You're like, what? What about... You know, don't you want to lift us up? No, I don't want to lie to you. And when Jesus was preaching in the parable of the sower, he was telling his disciples, don't expect too much. The disciples are like, why are you telling us all the bad news? I'm just giving it to you as it is. It's going to be hard. Living the spiritual life, there are three ways to fail. There's a very little chance of success and a very high chance of faltering. Expect discouragement. I, I wish someone told me before I became a minister, because, you know, I had so much confidence. 
I said, let's do two sites until the bills started coming in. It's like, what did we get ourselves into? When you're young and stupid, you think that giftedness alone or optimism alone is going to change people. <laughs> I, think, I think back to myself at, in my mid-20s, and I want to just slap myself, be like, expect discouragement, expect disorientation, because it's going to be hard. And that's really important to know before you come to church, before you get committed, because you will be discouraged. And when you experience discouragement, you lose confidence. But in the framework of the spiritual life, Jesus is giving it as it is. It will be hard. Jesus says, in this world, you shall have what? Trouble. But don't worry, I have overcome the world. So there is an exit and there is breakthrough, but you're going to have to experience resistance. It's going to be hard. Tell somebody, it's going to be hard. Punch them. It's going to be hard. You see that pain? Feel it. Rub it in. It's going to be hard. When you witness to people and tell, try to share the gospel, it will be really hard. The God of this world is trying to blind the minds of those who, cannot, who need to see the light, Paul says. Is by is blinding the mind of unbelievers. <laughs> and when you try to do the right thing, Paul says, expect persecution. And the enemy knows that. That's, the, that's really the enemy's greatest asset. That trying to nourish the spiritual life really inwardly is difficult. And human beings are not very good at overcoming trials and tribulations and difficulty. We give up easily a lot of times when we feel discouraged. Let's put this picture up here. So during the pandemic, as I, you know, my COVID office, I was going out there preaching to myself. You know, one of the things I decided to do in the, in the COVID office was not make jokes. Because even Stephen Colbert and, and um, Jimmy Fallon, even their jokes, when you see no audience, you see it miss. In Chandler and Friends Reunion, you guys watch that in HBO Max? If you don't have HBO Max, I encourage you to get it. You need not to be of the world, but in it, to reach it. That's what I tell myself when I watch that. <laughs> no, but Chandler said that when jokes and live taping of Friends miss, when the audience didn't laugh, Chandler said that he almost felt social anxiety, that it literally freaked him out. Every line, he goes, if people didn't laugh, and everybody on the front set said, really? You, you seem so chill. Sometime, a Goldman Sachs eye banker told me one time, you know, you know, you preach really well. You just go up there and make stuff up, right? I was like, well, when you make a trade, do you just make stuff up? <laughs> he said, well, no, I do due diligence. I look at the fundamentals. Well, that's why you have a job, right? Well, I don't mix. I'm not a genius. I don't just make stuff up. Oh, I just thought you did. I just thought you were just natural at it. I am, but not that natural at it. <laughs> but, you know, like during the pandemic, you don't know if it's going to hit or miss. So imagine you make a joke, a bad joke, and everybody's like, that's an, that's an 
really not funny. And you're already struggling with your own personal case, the spiritual case of discouragement. You can't go out. Cabin fever. And now I'm making a bad joke. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I come to this church. <laughs> Look, so I, I decided to be just be serious. Because when I was out there, it, let, let me give you the backstory. There were drunk people on the beach screaming. Sometimes it rained. Sometimes fish came out of the water, started flapping right in the show. I'm like, God, really? You can control this external environment, but the enemy can as well. Sometimes it's not just and, you know, either or. Sometimes it's and, um, both, both and. Sometimes it can be spiritual and external at the same time. So one time I was preaching in the rain. It was raining. And let me tell you, I preached a masterpiece. But you guys didn't hear it. Because I preached for 20 minutes straight and I got every little dot down of my manuscript and I hit it. And I was like, yes, I'm done. But I didn't record. <laughs> right then. <clears throat> That's what you call an insult to injury. And I think the fish came back out again right after. And the wind started blowing. And the drunkard started drinking more and yelling more. And right then, talk about an insult to injury. The enemy whispers, this is not going to even matter. What are you doing out here? Discouragement. My God, I'm out here trying to do, trying to hold it together for people. Is it God's fault I didn't press the record button? But, and you, you know, sometimes when you say something that way, you can't say it the same way again. And then I recorded it all. I messed up this word. I messed up this sentence. Could never get it back. And I tried, like five, I was out there for like three, four hours trying to get it right. Like, oh, insult to injury. You will, during your spiritual life, experience these moments where the enemy goes, what is the point? Why go through all this trouble? What are you getting out of this? Tell, tell someone next, what are you getting out of this? I could be having brunch right now. What am I, I, you know, what are you getting out of this? Why does it have to be so hard? It could be so much easier. During the pandemic, nine pastors I know, friends and friends, they, they, their churches closed. Because the pastors were discouraged. The congregation was discouraged. People stopped giving. Couldn't sustain it anymore. So can you think about those pastors that were out there trying their best? People stopped watching. People stopped engaging. Because they were just, everybody was discouraged. And here's, here's the problem. We don't expect resistance because we think it should be easy because we're trying to do the right thing. That's the, inc that's the incorrect framework. Because if you look at this text very carefully, 
it says in the text that those who could not understand the receptivity of the gospel or the word of God, the spiritual formation, the, the that fact, if you can't receive it and understand it and you can't engage, it means that the enemy is what? Snatching. The word is snatch. Tell someone snatch. You know what snatch is? a rude word. I tell sometimes my younger, don't snatch the soda out of my hand. Because every time I pour soda, he snatches it. And then every time I pour it again, he snatches it again. Sometimes they're during meal times, I don't get one sip. I'm like, Josh, if you snatch that soda again, I will end you. <laughs> the enemy snatches the word because that word has potential to be significantly powerful in your life and for the world. The word is snatch. And the best form to snatch the spiritual seed is through discouragement. So you lose confidence in God, confidence in yourself, and confidence in others in the body. You know, when you lose confidence, you lose yourself and you lose your values. So if you're discouraged in your life, the areas of discouragement in your life right now, that's where the enemy is attacking you. Where are the areas in your life where you're discouraged? You can zero in. That is an area where the seed of God is planted and the enemy is trying to snatch it. And I pray the Holy Spirit would today whisper truth to you. Amen? So that you can expect discouragement. So next Sunday and the Sunday after that and the weeks after that, let me just tell you the brutal facts. It's going to be hard. And then it's going to get harder. You're like, great. But if you, if you expect it, you get tougher. I'm serious. You're going to be driving with your kids to church. And there's going to be an accident at LIE. The BQE or the trains won't run. The day you're supposed to meet up with your friend to bring them to church, that's the day everything will implode. Personal emergency, this or that. And you're like, what am I doing here? You're going to get discouraged. But then, if you could flip it on the enemy, which I'm going to start teaching you spiritual warfare, you become mighty warriors. To Now, what I try to do is when I get discouraged, I'm like, oh, this is encouraging. You're like, what do you mean? That's weird. No. If you're discouraged, it means something is working, meaning something is sprouting. A seed is being planted, meaning that's why the enemy, right, that potential, it's called the, you know, the John Connor effect in Terminator. Right? Eliminate the seed before it ever gets planted, because if that seed is planted, then it's a serious problem. Flourishing. It's a John Connor effect. So if you're discouraged, it means the enemy is trying to snatch something from you. So discouragement then is the greatest sign, signpost for growing a growing spiritual life. So how many people here have been discouraged? How many people discouraged now? Great. You're doing really fantastic then. Now something is sprouting. Now if you felt nothing, you felt no warfare, and you came to church today, everything was just dandy, then maybe you should be questioning what's going on. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm just saying that when you try to live a godly life, you try to pursue God, and follow his direction, discouragement is the result. That's a good sign, not a bad sign, because something is sprouting. Amen? 
So that's the point. This is what um, Stephen Pressfield says in not the art of war, not to be confused with the art of war, which West Point uses as a text. This is the war of art because making art is more difficult than real war because it is a war to create. The guy Min Lee would know who just won an award in a film festival. Yeah, praise God. And he just moved into his new house. Some people just, some people just keep winning, you know. But I'm going to tell you the story how he felt he was losing. But uh, this is what he says. He says resistance obstructs mo obstructs movement only from a lower sphere to a higher. It kicks in when we seek to pursue a calling in the arts, launch an innovative enterprise, or evolve to a higher station morally ethically or spiritually. So if you're in Calcutta working with Mother Teresa Foundation um, and you're thinking about bolting to launch a career in telemarketing, relax. Resistance will give you a free pass. That's actually a profound way to frame spiritual warfare. The Place of higher resistance means something is sprouting. The seed of God is sprouting. And when you begin to become casual in your approach, resistance will end. And sometimes people fall for that. And the seed of God dies because it is snatched. So let's move down. So that was the point. Expect discouragement. So then what's the lesson? of the reality of the spiritual life. Well, let's read it together. Lesson is what? Practice what? Rebuking discouragement. You ever rebuke somebody? When you're a parent, you have to rebuke all the time. I love rebuking. Some psychologists uh, say in some textbooks I read, don't yell at your children. And I said, stop. I, then I just threw the book out. I said, this psychologist must not have children. There is no way you cannot yell at your children. Ask any parent if they never yelled at their children. It's like impossible. Jesus was yelled at many times. Because when he was a kid at 12 years old, he ran away from home, went to the temple. Everybody started looking for him. They couldn't find him. And he was a troublemaker himself. But... Let me just tell you, rebuking is a necessary part of the spiritual life because if you if you're if you can expect discouragement, right? If if the the, the weather is foreshadowed 80% chance rain, it's gonna rain cats and dogs just like the day in the sun, then you know it's gonna rain lines. 75% chance of many things spiritually, personally, and externally that will come for you. Resistance to forms of discouragement and lies. You're going to have to learn to rebuke it, or what? You're going to end up in despair and quit. I mean, you. I mean, when people remember their life, it's going to be, oh, I was discouraged here, I was discouraged here. Oh, I had a happy moment here. So then, the whole point is to become tougher. One time, when Nathan, uh, my my oldest son, was in uh, elementary school, he goes, Dad, you know, how do you fight? Because, you know, 
I'm getting some confrontations and, you know, I, I want to be ready, you know. But doesn't the Bible say, turn the other cheek? So let me give you a contextual framework for that passage. Because I'm a, I'm a Bible scholar, right? So let me, give, let me give it to you. In that cultural text, turn the other cheek is not physical. Right? It's insult. If someone insults you, let him insult you again. You know? But if they touch you, break it off. <laughs> Self-defense is not non-Christian. Christianity is not, you're not called to be a pastor. If you try to hurt my family while I'm walking, I will break you. <laughs> and so, so, okay, so how do I block? So he was like, how do I block? Well, you block like this. How do you punch? How do you? Then I, I taught him take one go, you know. Because any father in a place of violence, physical violence, will teach you how to fight, how to engage in conflict. I, and you know, I, I've been ministering for a long time. A lot of Christians have no idea how to fight spiritually. Like, what do you do when you're discouraged? Uh, I don't know. Pray. Am I sweating? Yeah. So, see, I brought a nice handkerchief, not a napkin. This time. But, um, you know, he, he, I taught him how to fight, how to engage so that he could stand up. Because in the, in the age of fighting and bullying, you need to be able to stand up for yourself. And in the spiritual life, you will be bullied if you don't know how to take authority. Because lies are forecasted. Jesus said there's a 75% chance of resistance. And then the good soil is you need to be deliberate in plowing and creating a fertile environment and nurturing that to grow. But you, but if someone's going to snatch the very seed of God in your life, you have to learn to, you have to learn how to fight. You have to learn to engage. And that's very powerful. And I, I remember um, when Amin winning the award, um, this I think this past week he won. But before that, he had this brilliant idea of driving DoorDash for the lunch period to get vaccinated early. I was like, Amin, you're a genius. That's what I should do, right, to get vaccinated early. And um, I remember during those times when he did it, the film industry was closed. He just graduated. He did his senior thesis, sent it to all these festivals. Nothing. No replies. And he's like, we had conversations, praying together. He goes, you know, you got to be connected in the industry to get anywhere. I don't know. And seeds of doubt started entering in. And I'm sure during those difficult moments, the enemy whispered, and I know, I was there with him. The film industry will be closed forever. You'll never make a film. No one will ever recognize you. You just can't be driving this thing. In those moments, as he prayed and we fought and rebuked, that's one of the things we did. We prayed. We rebuked the lies of the enemy. And on the day of the interview of the panel of all the filmmakers, his student thesis, he tells Jenny, while on the screen, watch, watch this, Jenny. I know who's going to win the best 
uh, student film. I know the guy who's going to win this. Let me tell you who's going to win it right now. This is the person. And Jenny goes, you of little faith, you're going to win. And I'm in chuckle. <laughs> no, never. And right after she says that, the person says, and I watched it, and you can watch this on YouTube, he said, and Amin Lee has won this film. And Amin was like, he couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> but Jenny had faith. All the women in our church, man, they all, my wife, every, all the women are better here for some reason. They just, but I, I mean, and they said, we couldn't believe this is a student film. And he was like, this is your, and they're like, and then they're like being um, sarcastic. This is his first film festival. He's batting a, a thousand. It didn't feel like that six months ago. It's like he's batting zero. And, and here it is, folks. You don't know what's on the other side. You don't know the seed of God. Because one of the things we talked about during the film was, I mean, you need to represent God in a way, this industry that's so dark. And that's what God told him. But sometimes in the darkness, we doubt what God has said in the light. Folks, I believe in my, all my heart that God wants that the seed of God in you, he wants to use you in this world to represent him. When you're discouraged, the point is the John Connor effect, right? To end the seed, to stop trying. Now, I'm not saying you're going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. That's what I'm longing. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm kidding. Uh, but, you know, you know, like, you don't know. And the point is to give up so you don't know what's on the other side, what God has for you, what your destiny is. Because all of us who've been discouraged need to learn to rebuke. And I'm going to read this passage and then let, let's end because I think I've been preaching for 30 minutes or something and I never go that long. But um, so the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the, de the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you what? Authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Right now in your life, in the areas of discouragement in your life and harassment, you need to learn to bind those dark thoughts, those messages. Say this with me. Get behind me. You have to, you have to learn that. I know that's in like, like movies and they make fun of the black church. Get behind me, Satan. And you hear like that? But listen, you have to come up with your own vernacular of spiritual warfare. You're going to have to learn how to take thoughts captive. Because if you don't learn to take authority over evil spirits and demonic activity and darkness and schemes, you will end your spiritual life eventually you'll end up in despair. You have to learn to fight. And there is joy moving on to the next level and being able to bind it in Jesus' name. Amen? So let's stand. Let's pray together.
You know, one of the things that that I've seen in, in people's spiritual life is that those who learn to take authority in who they are, because what Jesus is talking about in that particular text is that as a child of God, you've been given authority over demonic powers in Jesus' name. So you're, you're going to have to practice that word, I bind that thought in Jesus' name. I rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. And sometimes for you introverts, I know I am, I don't like praying out loud and stuff like that. That's why God gave me tongues. My prayer language goes crazy, but sometimes my kids are independent. I'm like, what are you, what are you saying? You know, I'm all my prayer language, you know. And if you're introverted, maybe that's what you should pray for, tongues. Because I know you like to like, you know, be like contemplative and be like, mm, yes, Lord. But sometimes the harassing thoughts are, are very vicious. And you have to learn hit high intensity prayer or get tongues. And if you're a mom and dad, pray for tongues because you're going to need it. Because sometimes you don't even know what you feel like, what you're thinking. Like in the car, traffic, you need to be praying in tongues or hit. Like, oh, Lord. Because you need to be able to rebuke the onslaught of the enemy's lies. Because Jesus forecasts that, right? There's a 75% chance of lies raining down in your life. So let's engage in that right now. Strength for the weary 
So Father, we come before you this afternoon. We want to bind every voice of discouragement, every lie, every scheme of darkness that comes against us in our pursuit of living out the seed of God in us to manifest, to accomplish why you put us on here on earth. The destiny and the story you've written for us. And all of us have been discouraged, God. But we expect it now. We expect disorientation. Because we're at war. The personal, the spiritual, and the external will sometimes collide. But here's the good news about the spiritual. It can be mitigated, literally. You can't mitigate external factors. And you can't even mitigate personal factors. Those two things are, which I'll deal with in the next couple of weeks, you're gonna have to, it's gonna be long. Personal stuff, you're gonna have to go through things and process it, right? That's the whole basis of psychology. To unpack the somatic trauma of things not in our control and the fear we feel from it and the fact that we can't control control but we keep trying there's no way you can control that you can't control your response you can't control the external environment that's not in your control either but the spiritual you can control see I was waiting for this whole time that's the good news you're going to be discouraged. Oh, this is great. But you can't mitigate it because you've been given authority over demonic powers and lies of the enemy. You can end it. And when you speak and invoke the name of Jesus, you invoke the power and the authority to end lies and the schemes and darkness and push it back. You don't need to be imprisoned by it anymore. And those who learn it, like the disciples who came back with joy, learn that they are powerful in him. That's the good news. That is one domain you can't control. We about heads for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.